Welcome to the Lang Money Hour, where smart money talks. Hosted by Beth Bershock with expert advice from Jim Lang, Pittsburgh-based CPA attorney and retirement and estate planning expert. Jim is also the author of Retire Secure, Pay Taxes Later. To find out more about his book, his practice, Lang Financial Group, and how to secure Jim as a speaker for your next event, visit his website at retiresecure.com. Now, get ready to talk smart money. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. We are talking smart money. I'm Beth Bershock, along with Jim Lang, CPA attorney, author of two best-selling editions of the book, Retire Secure, Pay Taxes Later. And Jim, I imagine you were looking forward to this show because we are going to be talking about your absolute favorite topic in the world, Roth IRAs, Roth IRA conversions, and a big tax law change that's coming up on January 1st, which is hard to believe it's two and a half months away. Now, before we get into all of this, I do want to say we have the phones open tonight. If you want to call in with a question, we already have a couple of email questions that we're going to be getting to a little bit later on in the hour. But if you have a question as the the hour is going on, feel free to call it in at 412 Three 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 nine three eight five. That's the studio line. It's open now at four one two three 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 nine three eight five. Jim, before we get into the essence of Roth IRAs and Roth IRA conversions, I want to give your background on this topic because you go back to the very beginning of Roth IRAs, and you wrote the very first peer-reviewed article on Roth IRAs, which was for the tax advisor, reviewed by CPAs, and they are a tough crowd. But tell me, explain what led you to write the article in the first place. This was 1998. Right. Usually, I ignore proposed regulations. So when there's a, when there's a tax law change that is proposed, I usually ignore it. And the reason I ignore it is because I get it confused with what actually passes. But in 1997... When they proposed the Roth IRAs and Roth IRA conversions, and I took a look at it, and my gut instinct was, boy, this is going to be fabulous. And I, I got a spreadsheet out, and with the help of Steve Komen, a CPA in our office, we ran a bunch of numbers, and we realized this is going to be an unbelievable opportunity for our clients and our listeners and our readers to create gobs of tax-free wealth. And this was so exciting. And then I realized that I was just th- that this was going to be an important part of my future. And then I thought, you know, who the heck is going to believe Jim Lang, and why should somebody pay income taxes before they have to? I'm going to have a huge burden of proof for somebody to voluntarily pay income taxes before they have to to make a Roth IRA conversion. So I said, well, the best way for people to actually believe me is to have the highest level peer review, go through my numbers. So I wrote, I I asked the AICPA, I said, I would like to write the article on Roth IRA conversions. And I think they had no idea how powerful this was. And they said, okay, go for it. So I reserved the topic. I wrote the article. They had these nitpicking CPAs just tear apart every single spreadsheet that I gave them. But when the final article came out, it was actually better than the one I originally submitted and it actually showed the benefits of Roth IRA conversions. And up to now, from 1997 when I first wrote it, the law became effective in 1998, I've been a big advocate of, of running numbers and determining the right amount to 
make for Roth IRA conversion. But up to now, it has been limited to people with incomes of less than $100,000. As we're going to find out later on the hour, that's no longer going to be the case after 2010. And the floodgates for virtually everybody with an IRA or a retirement plan to, to literally build a tax-free dynasty are going to open in January 2010. And I've been looking forward to this for years. Now, coming up, we're, we're going to be talking about some of the changes, the tax law change in 2010. But let's start with what is the difference between a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA? A traditional IRA, first of all, you're getting a tax deduction. Get it to, and, and, and by the way, I'll even expand the question to say a traditional IRA or a traditional 401k or 403b or SEP or KEO or all those types of retirement plans where you make a contribution to a retirement plan and you get a current income tax deduction, which ultimately is going to result in some money back from your ta- or a reduction of your tax bill. That money grows income tax deferred, meaning that you don't have to pay income taxes on, on that money or on the growth or on the interest or on the capital gains until you actually withdraw the money. At that point, you have to pay the tax. The Roth IRA is money that you do not get an income tax deduction for up front, which, so that's the, the bad part. But the good part is it grows income tax-free for the rest of your life, the rest of your spouse's life, the rest of your kids' lives, and even the rest of your grandkids' lives. So by being willing to pay the taxes up front, you end up, in effect, having the harvest, if you will, the the total um, distributions income tax-free. But there are some other benefits as well, and one is with the Roth IRA, there is no required minimum distribution for the Roth IRA owner. That's correct, and a lot of people say, oh boy, I want to do a Roth IRA conversion so I won't have to be forced to take money from my retirement plan once, once I turn 70, and I would say that that is a bonus. The real benefit when you run the numbers, which we obviously do on Roth IRA conversions, is the income tax-free growth that you're getting for your life, your spouse's life, and the lives of your children and grandchildren. But of course, if you plan to leave it to, say, your grandchildren, the fact that you don't have to take a required minimum distribution is extremely beneficial. Yes, it is, because that way more and more money can continue to to accumulate income tax-free. Now, what happens to the spouse in that case, the spouse or the beneficiary, if it goes to the children or the grandchildren? Are they forced to take... RMDs? Well, there is a difference. If if you make a Roth IRA conversion, you don't have to take an RMD. If you then die and leave the money to your spouse, he or she doesn't have to make a required minimum distribution of the Roth IRA. But then if you leave it to a non-spousal heir, someone who is not your spouse, it might be uh, most likely your children or your grandchildren, but it could be a niece or a nephew or a friend or a partner or anybody you like, that partner or friend or or most likely child or grandchild will have to take a minimum required distribution. And the way that minimum required distribution of the inherited Roth IRA is calculated is you take the life expectancy of that beneficiary. So let's say the beneficiary is 30 years old and has roughly, a, say, a 50-year life expectancy. You would take 50 divide that into the balance of the inherited Roth IRA. So let's say it's a million dollars. So that that person would have a minimum required distribution of the inherited Roth IRA 
of $20,000. But the good news is, unlike the minimum required distribution of an inherited traditional IRA, the minimum required distribution of the inherited Roth IRA is income tax-free. That's huge. It is huge. And I'm really not exaggerating when I'm talking about a tax-free dynasty that is now a possibility for wealthy taxpayers. We've been doing workshops on this all year long, and we have one coming up this Saturday. It's in Monroeville at the Holiday Inn on Moss Side Boulevard. And in fact, you can go online, www.retiresecure.com, get all of the information on there. And we have one coming up also on November 21st. These are absolutely free, by the way. But if you want to hear all of this from Jim in person, I would definitely recommend that you attend one of these workshops. And in the workshop, Jim, you cover something that is difficult for a lot of people to grasp. You call it the secret to understanding Roth IRA conversions. So, so we're so getting the try, good stuff, huh? Let's get, <laughs> well, we should, because this it, it, it is the key, because a lot of people I know will come to you and say, Jim... That sounds great, but I am just too old to make a Roth IRA conversion. It just doesn't make sense. But when you understand what Jim is calling the secret to Roth IRA conversions, it does make sense. And and sometimes people say they're too old. The other thing that sometimes people say is, well, I would rather spend the money than pay the taxes on the conversion. And when somebody tells me that, I know that they don't really understand Roth IRA conversions because with a Roth IRA conversion – you yourself, forgetting your kids and your grandkids and your spouse or anybody else, but you yourself will have more purchasing power. You'll have the ability to buy more goods and services. But anyway, here is the secret. All right. The key to understanding Roth IRA conversions, and for that matter, it's something that everybody should understand who has an IRA and a retirement plan, is that there is a difference between total dollars and purchasing power. So let's say you have 500000 or a million or whatever the number is in an IRA, 401K, 403B, SEP, etc. You can't go out and buy a million dollars worth of goods and services with that million-dollar IRA. The reason is is because you have to pay income tax. So depending on your income tax bracket, you might have to pay 25 30% or whatever it might be on the withdrawal of money from your IRA. So you really don't have the same purchasing power as the face amount of the IRA. So let's say for discussion's sake you had $100,000 in an IRA. And you had, let's say, $25,000 outside the IRA. All right, so picture this. You have 100000 inside the IRA. You have 25000 outside the IRA. All right, we all agree, and let's keep it real simple. Let's assume that's all you have, 100000 in the IRA, 25000 outside the IRA, you have $125,000 total. But let's say you want to go out and buy some goods and services. You're going to have to cash in the IRA. All right? Let's assume, again, for simplicity, that the tax rate is 25%. You have to write a check to the IRS for $25,000. Now, in this example, I conveniently assume, very conveniently <laughs> assume, um, different answer if we don't make this assumption, that you have the $25,000 to pay the taxes on the IRA withdrawal from outside the IRA. You're left with $100,000. The $125,000 total is really measured in purchasing power is $100,000. If you make a Roth IRA conversion, what happens is 
you pay the tax of the $25,000, because that's the essence of a Roth IRA conversion. So you're paying the taxes up front. You're paying the taxes up front. You're taking $100,000 of traditional IRA, 401k, 403b, etc. You're paying taxes on it. I'm going to assume that the tax rate is 25%, so that you have to write a check to the IRS before you have to of $25,000. And to tell a, a 30-year veteran CPA that that it makes sense to pay $25,000 to the IRS before you have to. Or to tell it to a client, even. Or to even. tell it to a client, which is 100 times worse. <laughs> you really better make sure that you're going to provide tremendous value. So after you write that check for $25,000, which, remember, Mr. Status Quo, he didn't have to write that check. He was just sitting on it. The Mr. Roth IRA conversion is, is going to have only $100,000 total, where Mr. Status Quo has $125,000. And what a lot of the analysts and a lot of the advisors who don't really get it say, well, oh, gee, it's going to take Mr. Roth IRA a lot of years to make up for that $25,000 in taxes that he paid. So therefore, Roth IRA conversions are good for young people, but not for old people. But that's not right, because measured in purchasing power, we have the same amount of purchasing power on day one because there's no tax on the Roth IRA conversion. So day one, you're even. You're even. So day two, you actually start to inch ahead. And how long, I know you've done all of these uh, calculations, but going down the road, what is the benefit if you are the Roth IRA owner? All right, let's for the, let's for the moment forget the kids and forget the grandkids. And let's take two people, Mr. Status Quo and Mr. Roth IRA conversion. They each have the exact same amount of money inside and outside the IRA. They both invest identically. They both spend identically. Everything is, is identical about them. Mr. Status Quo um, has money in his IRA that's going to grow, but he's going to have to take money out um, with minimum required distribution, and he will have to pay income tax every time he takes a distribution from his IRA. Mr. But he also has the $25,000 outside the IRA. Mr. Roth IRA conversion, on the other hand, he only has $100,000 total, but that money's growing income tax-free. If you take Mr. Roth IRA conversion and Mr. Status Quo and you project them forward into the future for 20 years, all right, Mr. Roth IRA conversion is going to have $40,000 more than Mr. Status Quo. Which so, is nothing to sneeze at. So think about this. You make a $100,000 conversion right now, and you, you and or your spouse live for 20 years, you will have an additional $40,000 at the end of the 20 years, and you will have more purchasing power um, practically the whole way along. You know, because there's a question mark on Mr. Status Quo, which is what will the tax rates be when he starts to withdraw that money. If you assume that the tax rates are going to be higher than they are today, then the benefits would be considerably more than $40,000. I've more or less assumed a flat income tax rate. If you think tax rates are going up, then it is wonderful to make a Roth IRA conversion while the tax rates are at basically their historical low. Um, and have that money grow tax-free. Well, it takes the tax rate out of the picture when you make the Roth IRA conversion if the rates would go up. Well, it, it takes, that's right, because there's going to be no taxes on the distribution. 
the thing that would happen if the tax rates went up is you would be that much happier if you had a Roth IRA conversion. <laughs> what if they go down? If they go down, then I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll tell everybody right now, if you make a, a big Roth IRA conversion and all of the United States um, has a huge tax decrease, or I'll tell you the other way I'm, I'm wrong, is if they eliminate the income tax. I would be wrong. If they eliminate the income tax and you pay the taxes up front, then you would be worse off. On the other hand, you have to compare that to is that more likely that they're going to eliminate the income tax or is it more likely that they're going to have a tax raise? If you think it's going to be a tax raise, then you're probably or even more um, inclined to make a Roth IRA conversion. Okay, so we said that $40,000 was the benefit to the Roth IRA owner after about 20 years. Let's talk about the benefits to the children and the grandchildren over time because the money continues to go tax-free if it's passed on. Right. So, so let's assume that, that Mr. Roth IRA conversion makes this $100,000 Roth IRA c- conversion. And let's say that he and his spouse live 20 years. And in a different talk, which I will spare the listeners and I will just <laughs> give them the conclusion... <laughs> I talk about which assets to spend first. And I say, first, spend your after-tax dollars. That is not your IRA, 401k, 403b, etc. And that's the subtitle of my book, Pay Taxes Later. Then I recommend spending your IRA or retirement plan, 403b, etc. And then only last do I recommend the Roth IRA convert that, that you should spend. Now, there's a few exceptions, but in general, spend first your after-tax, then your Um, IRA, and then your Roth. If you do that, what's going to happen is you're almost certainly going to end up with some money in a Roth IRA. So then the next question is, let's say that you do this $100,000 conversion. You and your spouse live 20 years. Then you die and you leave the Roth IRA to your child. How much better off is, let's say, the child of Mr. Roth IRA conversion versus Mr. Status Quo? And the answer is, over that child's lifetime, he will be $700,000 better off than the children of Mr. Status Quo. So you could talk about a lot of great estate planning techniques, and there are a lot of people who think life insurance is a wonderful way to um, distribute wealth and to pass wealth on to generations, and I frankly would agree with that. But with a life insurance policy, it's ultimately costing you money. That is, it's ultimately some form of a gift where you are making a gift of the premium of the life insurance policy that will ultimately go for the benefit of your heirs. With a Roth IRA conversion, you yourself are better off, but you're only better off by 40000 Your heirs are better off, in this case children, by $700,000. And the grandchildren... You need to sit down for this number because it's <laughs> right. really large. Let's say you say the heck with the children. <laughs> or or perhaps what you've done is you've said, well, I've set aside other monies for the kids. Or maybe the kids have their own money. So they're, let's assume that the kids do not need or don't want your inherited Roth IRA. And that Roth IRA or inherited Roth IRA ends up going to grandkids. All right. And... By that, I mean kids who are probably in their 20s when you die, as opposed to, let's say, in their 50s um, for your children. If you leave the money to a grandchild, the grandchild's minimum required distribution of the inherited Roth IRA is very small in the early years. 
leaving the bulk of that inherited money to continue to grow income tax-free for the rest of the grandchild's life. The grandchild will be better off by $8.6 million now, over over their lifetime. Now we should be fair, and if Steve were here, Steve Steve is <laughs> one of he he does all of the analysis on the Roth IRAs at our office, and he is just incredibly technical. He would say that is not that that's not in today's dollars. So we need to he, be fair. He's right. He's right. So the question is: Yes, it's they're better. They in actual dollars, they will be, be the children will be better off by seven hundred thousand dollars. So how much is that in today's dollars? If you if you include inflation, the kids will be better off by $161,000. The grandkids will be better off by $816,000. I didn't state all my assumptions, by the way, but I think they're pretty reasonable. But in today's dollars, the grandchildren will be better off by $800,000. But no matter, it, it's still a huge difference. It's a huge difference. So you're really, you are literally talking about an income tax-free dynasty that is good for you, better for your children, and wonderful for your grandchildren. And Jim, we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about the tax law change that's coming up January 1st. We're getting very close. It is the Lang Money Hour, where smart money talks. The Lang Money Hour, where smart money talks, featuring the expert advice of Pittsburgh-based CPA attorney Jim Lang. More coming up on KQVAM 1410. The Lang Money Hour continues on KQVAM 1410. For all of your financial needs, turn to Lang Financial Group in Squirrel Hill, 412-521-2732. Let's talk more smart money. We are talking smart money. I'm Beth Bershock along with Jim Lang. And I did mention earlier that we are taking calls in the studio tonight, 412-333-9385. It's all about Jim's favorite topic tonight, Roth IRAs, Roth IRA conversions. A little bit later on this hour, we're going to be telling you about the big tax law change that's coming up on January 1st. And we do have a call coming in from Texas. John is on the line. Hi, John. Hi, how are you doing? What part of Texas are you from? Uh, Dallas-Fort Worth. Great to have you listening tonight. Um, obviously, you're listening online at kqv.com. Exactly. What is your question for Jim? I have set up, as he recommends in his new book, a one-person 401k Roth uh, IRA, and I'm trying to make sure what income can fund that when, you're a, when you have a limited partnership. Can it be 1099 income? And specifically, I have an installment sale where I sold some assets. Can I use that income to make contributions into the 401k? Okay, first I'll, I'll, I'll start with a, with a couple things. First of all, I think you're a very smart guy because you bought my book. So, <laughs> well, so that, that's the good news. I'm smarter now that I bought your book, actually. <laughs> well, good. The, the book is Retire Secure, by the way. The book is incredible. All right. Oh, well, thank, thank you. So, I've read about 15 books on this topic, and yours is the encyclopedia I use. Oh, can, can you, I, I didn't quite hear what you said there. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sold on it. I'm very, I, I actually just bought some more copies to give to some friends. Well, well, well that, that's, that's really good. The, the only thing that, that really that isn't such a positive note is that you should know that Dallas is not America's team. <laughs> yeah, that that, that is know. a misnomer. 
it is well proven that there are more Steeler bars and more Steeler supporters throughout <laughs> the entire, not just the country, the world John, in Dallas. You, and that is just a marketing ploy that somebody at Dallas came up well, with you're not before gonna get the much, Steelers. you're not going to get much argument from me. <laughs> my, my, when, not, not just the Cowboys, but the Mavericks and everybody else down here. We, we play the best in the regular season. We choke when the playoffs get here. So I'm... I don't have much to brag about down okay. here lately. All right, so 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 first let's let's talk about the so so you obviously have some self-employment income, although we'll, I'll get I'll get to to your question okay. even more specifically. Okay. But first, let's talk for for the benefit of of all our listeners who have access to not even just a one-person four hundred one k, but even a four hundred one k plan at work. Right. All right, and the four hundred one k plan, most four hundred one ks or the traditional four hundred one k is like I've been talking about, like the traditional IRA. You make a contribution, you get a tax deduction, the money grows income tax deferred, and then when you take the money out, you have to pay income taxes. Recently, they the IRS now allows a Roth 401k. So that means people in a 401k plan, if their employer has implemented this plan, which is a big if because most employers have not, but if they have the employee's share of the retirement plan can not just can you have a choice of either putting money in a traditional 401k or a Roth 401k so the employee portion which if you're over 50 years old can be up to $22,000 can go into a Roth 401k and I'm guessing that that is if it is available to them what most people who are working should do if they can afford it is to put money in a Roth 401k now, what you have is a one-person 401k, meaning that since you're not working for um, a company or or a, an entity that has a retirement plan, you set up your own retirement plan, which yep. which which I applaud you for. Now, the Roth 401k, like any retirement plan, whether it's an IRA or a 401k or a 403b or a SEP or a KIA or, or anything else, calculates the amount of money that you're allowed to contribute using earned income as a base. So let's say that you, in your business you earn $100,000. Well, that can be the base, and from that there's a little bit of a complicated formula that, and by the way, the answer is probably about thirty-five dollars or $40,000 of how much money you can contribute to that retirement plan. Now, you mentioned that, y- that you have some earned income, but you also said that you sold some things on the installment basis. Yeah, here's the, what I, I know that I could do it if I had W-2 income, but I have an installment note that's coming in and a 1099 miscellaneous income, and what I'm trying to make sure is that those qualify as earned income so that I can make contributions. For, it's a limited partnership that, that has those. And because it flows through to me on the K-1, I think that's earned income and I can put it on there. But I, I'm trying to make sure because my CPA says, well, that flows through to you. And I'm trying to maximize what I put into my 401K, Roth and non-Roth. Well, I, I think that's good. You might have a complication because cause the partnership is the entity that would have the 401K. It must, be the, it must be the employer. Now, here's the deal. The installment, if, if you sold something on an installment basis and you have a capital gain or a capital loss or that sale is a capital sale, mm-hmm. then the income or the gain on that is not, is not income for the purpose of income for the, the 
Roth 401k. And the reason for that is because it's not earned income. Mm -hmm. So if you sold a house or if you sold um, stock or if you sold a piece of land or something like that, normally that would not be earned income. Now, if you are in the business of selling houses or whatever you sold, so in effect a house isn't a capital asset to you, it's just plain old inventory, then that would qualify. Okay. So I'm guessing, though, that most likely that that is a capital asset. You're On that installment sale, you're probably reporting a capital gain. Yes, that's correct. And which, interest which, on the part that's interest and then... Right. Capital games yeah, and that. unfortunately, the interest that doesn't fly. It, it doesn't fly in the capital. So what game about the play. 1099 miscellaneous income? Yeah, the 1099 uh, that 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 would be earned income because okay. that is as a result of your labor. So okay. one of the things I love to do is I love to set up these one-person 401ks. But the res the problem for a lot of particular retirees is you do need earned income to make a. Um, a, a one-person 401k contribution, yeah. whether it's a Roth or a regular. Now, if could you, can you give me one more question? Sure, go for it, John. Okay. <laughs> if if it because what part of what I do through the 401k is trying to buy real estate and sell it, especially in this market. If I do that in other states, as a as an individual, you have to worry about the dealer status. You don't want over five properties. Does a 401k even have to worry about that? Well, again, I think the I think the issue is is it going to be a capital gain or loss, or is I mean, if, for example, if you're a developer and you buy and sell land all the time, that's actually not a capital gain or loss when you buy or when sell that. When because, you do it a lot, right? Because that is, that is your normal business, and and it's just like um, selling selling widgets for a widget store. That's right. just plain old inventory. Inventory, and it's a capital issue. Uh, if it's an inventory and not a capital asset, then that is earned income. If it is part of, so if if it is a capital gain, though, then you can't do it. Um, for the specifics of of whether it's five properties or whatever, um, okay. I'm not sure. I'll tell you what my gut instinct is. As much as I like Roth 401k contributions, my gut instinct, and particularly. If you're you're obviously a smart guy because you like my book better than the 15 <laughs> other books, so I'm assuming you're going to be making money on this transaction. Unlike the guy from Texas who emailed us and he lost 500,000. <laughs> yeah. If you're making some money here, my instinct is if you have a choice, I would prefer that it be a capital gain because that way you're paying taxes at the capital gains rate, and even though you won't be able to make a Roth IRA contribution or a, a from that money, you're going to be better off paying the lower capital gains rate, and then the the good unless unless you're doing it within 12 months, which you would better if you have the same option and it's a property you can flip within 12 months. Don't you want your 401k to buy something that could flip in 12 months, and your personal to buy something that you hold for 12 months? All right. Well, now you bring up a completely different issue, which is I, I assume you're talking about actually purchasing real estate in your retirement plan. Oh, yes, absolutely. All right. That's a whole other set of complications. Very, oh. very interesting idea. So let's say, by, by the way, the, the idea there is let's say that you have money in a retirement plan and you're interested in investing in real estate. Mm -hmm. If you go jump through enough hoops, you can actually have your IRA or your retirement plan purchase that real estate. Now, as a fair warning, the hoops are considerable, and there are a lot of restrictions. 
you're obviously not going to get a deduction or you don't do that with with uh, property that the idea is to get a tax deduction or to have losses flow through to you. Right. you. You do that with property that you think is going to appreciate in value and is going to throw off taxable income. It's Which a is what I'm doing. A whole other area. I, I really like that idea. And to... And I'll tell you what I think works really well, which is kind of like the home run. So let's say right now your your IRA or your retirement plan buys a piece of property that um, is presumably valued relatively low right now because that's right. where real estate is. Yeah. And then using a relatively current um, evaluation or um, appraisal, you get a value on it. You make a Roth IRA conversion of that match. Then over the next 5, 10, 20 years, the property appreciates considerably. Then let's say you ultimately sell it. The sales are going to go into your Roth IRA or your Roth 401k. And you're Without gonna be, paying taxes. With, and you, you will have created gobs of tax-free wealth. Very advanced technique. Lots of caveats on that. You have to be, there's a whole bunch of rules and a whole bunch of hoops you have to go through. Thank you for your question, John. I appreciate okay, it. Thank hey, so thanks, much. John. John, check, uh, checking in from Texas tonight, 412-333-9385. And the original question that he brought up, which is four hundred one uh, one person 401k, which is a strategy that is in the book. It's in Retire, Secure, Pay Taxes Later, the second edition. I want to point out that you can get that on. We have a link on our website, and it will take you right to where you can purchase it. So if you check out retiresecure.com, you'll find a link, and you'll be able to get that. And, and all of these strategies that we're talking about tonight are in the book, Retire, Secure, Pay Taxes Later. Now, coming up, Jim, in a few minutes, we are going to get to the big news, the huge news for 2010. But let's talk about 2009 for one more minute and why for seniors this year is a particularly good year to do a Roth IRA conversion. Sure. The, 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 a lot of seniors already know that there's no minimum required distributions this year in 2009. And most seniors are, that, that don't need the money to live, they have, they have other sources of income, most of them are saying, great, I don't have to take a minimum required distribution. And, and by the way, recently there was a law passed that said if you already took it, you can actually put it back. And actually, we're going to be covering that in the next show. That's one of the topics. That, which, is, which is very nice. So you don't have to take a minimum required distribution in 2009. Now, if you think about it, you want to make a Roth IRA conversion, which is adding income to your existing income. So you want to do that when you're in the lowest tax bracket possible. Well, I used to tell people, do the Roth IRA conversion after you retire, so you don't have your income from your job or, your, or, or wages from your um from your job, or you don't have self-employment income from your business, but do it before age 70 and a half so you don't have the income from your minimum required distribution. And that was usually the best year. Now, if you think about it, in 2009, if, you're, if your income is less than $100,000, then what that means is, is that you will presumably be in the lowest tax rate you'll ever be in the rest of your life. And that's going to be the best year for seniors to make a Roth IRA conversion. So all the hype, which we're going to get to, which is well-deserved for people who have income over $100,000, is 2010. But the sleeper is doing the Roth IRA conversion in 2009 for seniors who are going to be in the lowest tax bracket they will ever be in for the rest of their lives. So we're going, we're going through all, you know, all our clients who are seniors that have IRAs, and we are examining 
whether and how much to do of a Roth IRA conversion, not just for 2010, for people who have over $100,000, but for people who, who make less, then we're taking we're saying let's take a look at doing that conversion in 2009 and the deadline for that is the end of this year is December this 31st it, has there been any talk at all about extending that for uh, our RMDs are off for 2010 has anybody been talking about the, that at all they have been talking about that there that is a distinct possibility on the other hand nothing is definite and I would and it, it at this point, I think that we have to assume that the minimum required distribution is coming back for 2010 and that seniors who are interested in doing a Roth IRA conversion should be thinking about doing it in 2009 if their income is less than $100,000. Okay, we are going to get to the big tax law change that's coming up January 1st. We're going to tell you what it is next, how it's going to affect every taxpayer. We'll be back in just a minute. It's the Lang Money Hour, where smart money talks. The Lang Money Hour, where smart money talks, featuring the expert advice of Pittsburgh-based CPA attorney Jim Lang. More coming up on KQV AM 1410. The Lang Money Hour continues on KQV AM 1410. For all of your financial needs, turn to Lang Financial Group in Squirrel Hill, 412-521-2732. Let's talk more smart money. Talking more smart money, and tonight the focus is Roth IRAs, Roth IRA conversions, and the big tax law change that's coming up in 2010. Listen, if you have a question for Jim Lang, we still have about 20 minutes, and you can get that in. We're taking them live in the studio tonight, 412-333-9385. January 1st, I swear, Jim, that you'll stay up to celebrate New Year's not to ring in the new year, but to, <laughs> to ring in the tax law change that's going to be happening on January 1st. And what the tax law change essentially is doing is eliminating the income restrictions that have been on Roth IRAs. So we've had this limitation for individuals. It's been $100,000. And for couples, it's what, one sixty-six? No, it's also $100,000. Oh, oh, it's $100,000. So if you made more than that... You couldn't get in to a Roth IRA, but now it's unlimited. Any taxpayer can get in on a Roth IRA. You can do a Roth IRA conversion. Can you do it on Janu January 1st? Well, first, let's the the, uh, <clears throat> the type A part of me means that we have to be accurate. Okay. You can make a Roth IRA contribution if you have earned income, even if you have income of, I think it's somewhere around $160,000 or less. So you can do a Roth IRA contribution with earned income, even if your income's over $100,000. You can make a Roth 401k contribution regardless of your income, even now in 2009. That's if you have the opportunity. If you have the opportunity because you either have created your own or you work for a company that offers a, an enlightened company that offers a <laughs> Roth 401k such as our company. <laughs> All right. But the with a Roth IRA conversion, if and the technical word is modified adjusted gross income is more than $100,000, up to up until January 1st, 2010, you have not been able to make a Roth IRA conversion. And by the way, it's the same income limitation with, for married people and for single people. And in fact, before, if you tried to marry, if you tried to say, well, I want to file a separate return, that didn't fly. You weren't allowed to make a conversion at all. Well, in 2010, all those income limitations are right out the window, and anybody, regardless of income, is going to be eligible for a Roth IRA conversion. And that means there's a lot of wealthy people 
that either are or should be just salivating, <laughs> going, oh, man, I'm going to be able to create a tax-free dynasty. I'll be better off by hundreds of thousands of dollars. My kids and grandkids will be better <laughs> off by millions of dollars. When can I do it? When can I do it? Um, unfortunately, January one falls on a Saturday, so you might have oh, to wait a couple of days. Oh. But 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 really, I think that this is just a, a fabulous opportunity. Jim, when you see all of the people in Times Square jumping up and down when the ball drops, it'll be because it's time for Roth IRA well, conversion. That would be that wouldn't be logical. But I think what happens is um, the there isn't a, anywhere near as much press on this, and it's not part of mainstream financial advice for wealthy taxpayers, and it should be. We have another question. This is coming from Bloomfield tonight. We have Dave in Bloomfield. Hi, Dave. How are you doing? Great. Hey, you have a question about Roth IRAs, and what is your question for Jim? Basically, um, how do you, how do I uh, get started? Like, wh- where would I go? And uh, usually what is a minimum uh, required to get started? Is it 10000 or or 5000 or what? All right. Well, with a, with a Roth IRA contribution... Um, again, I'm assuming that you have some earned income, and if your employer doesn't offer a Roth 401k, or even if they do, and you want to start your own Roth 401k, you could go virtually anywhere where you could make an investment. So you could go down to the local bank, you could go to Vanguard, you could go to, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not here ma- making recommendations for different funds or different money managers, etc. But I would I would say that virtually anybody that invests money will offer a Roth IRA. Um, and I, I think then it becomes an issue of how do you want the money invested. Is, is there usually a minimum that you have to get started? Yeah, there probably will be. I know if I was if I was a company like that, I wouldn't take to, you know, somebody says I want to make a two cent uh, contribution to a Roth IRA. I, I certainly wouldn't take it because the paperwork would cost them more. So I would imagine that most of these companies are going to have some kind of minimum, whether it's 100 or $200 or whatever it is. I know that, that a lot of times what happens is people make contributions that are withheld from their paycheck at work, mm-hmm. and that way you maybe put in $100 a month or something like that. But, but the, the, the rule for you, if, if you have a job, is first put money um, into a retirement plan that your employer is willing to match. Then do Roth IRAs or Roth 401ks. Then do traditional retirement plans. But as as far as where to go, that's that's really not my my role on the radio here tonight. But I would I would say wherever you like to invest the money. Okay. Um, you say, you say start off with the em- employer uh, 401k. At, at what point? No, no, no. Start off with the what the employer is willing to match. So in other words, if like for example, if you work at the University of Pittsburgh. By, by the way, we don't talk about it much, but I'm actually doing a workshop tomorrow for for university faculty and um, TI CREF participants. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't we don't talk about that much because there aren't that many professors listening. Um, but anyway, if if you are working for just for an example, the University of Pittsburgh, if you put in eight percent, they will they will put in twelve percent of your salary. Mm-hmm. If you don't put in anything, they won't put in any in anything. Mm-hmm. So you get a hundred and fifty percent return on minute one. Mm-hmm. So you should always put in what any employer is willing to match, even before the Roth and before anything else. You you literally you steal money from your mother before you don't put money into the match. You just always do that. Okay. All right. Then do Roth and Roth four oh one Ks, 
than do traditional IRAs. What, what, I'm, what I'm trying to understand is at what point do I, do I start the Roth 401k once it builds up to 10000 or 20000 or, or you know? No, no you, you, start it, you start it tomorrow morning if, unless there's a good reason not to and, and start it with whatever you can afford. But that 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 would you you want to start early with re- with regards to retirement plan contributions. You want to make sure that you have enough money for let's call it a rainy day. But after after you have some rainy day money put aside, um, I'm a big fan of Roth IRAs. All right, I think we're going to move on. Does that help you, Dave? That, that's what he, that's what he says. When I have some put aside, I'm trying to get a more clear understanding of how much is some. It, like, uh, it anything. A hundred dollars a month is Any, a starting point. Sure, oh. anything is beneficial. Okay. Thank you, Dave. We have another call here from Bob from the South Hills. He has a question about 401k Roth conversions. Hi, Bob. Hi. Um, yeah, I've been listening to you guys tonight, and um, my company uh, started offering a 401k Roth now. Truthfully, they um, they did it, I think, in accordance to the fact that they are no longer going to match on the 401k. If I'm right to understand you, now I already have a Roth. Can I also establish a 401k Roth, or do I only have uh, the capability of com- you know of contributing to my personal Roth? All right. Let's assume for this guy. Are you, are you married or a single guy? I'm married. All right. So let's assume that your income is less than $166,000. Then you will be able to put in. Um, and are you older or younger than 50? Um, just a couple years older. A couple years older. Well, the good news is you can put in more money in your Roth 401k. You can put up to $22,000 in your Roth 401k. You can put away $6,000 in your Roth IRA. You can put away $6,000 for your spouse in, a, in her Roth IRA. So to, to total, um, you could put away $32,000 and these Roth IRAs, and even though your employer doesn't match it, it's it's money that if you can afford to put away that much, will grow income tax free for the rest of your life, spouse's life, children's lives, grandchildren's Jim, lives. Jim, would you recommend doing that before just putting it into the four hundred one k? I mean, establishing a four hundred one k Roth if they're not matching the four hundred one k contributions. Well, that that gets into the issue of are you better off with a traditional retirement plan or a Roth? And all the numbers that I've shown are in most cases. You're much better off with the Roth. The times, let me tell you the exception. The exception would be if you're going to be in a much lower tax bracket after you retire and your retirement is imminent. So let's say for discussion's sake you're 65 years old, you're at the height of your earning power, you're making you know, $200,000, and then next year you plan to retire and you're not going to have very much income at all. For that person, I would say do the traditional retirement plan, get the full deduction on the 401k, and then wait until after you retire and you're in a very low tax bracket to make a Roth IRA conversion. On the other hand, if you're in your 50s, early 50s particularly, and you're going to be working another 10, 15 years or more, then the Roth 401k, even though you don't get the tax deduction, is going to do much better. And I actually analyze that exact question um, in my book. Fabulous. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. The studio line is 412-333-9385. And the book is Retire Secure, Pay Taxes Later. It's the second edition. There's a link on our website, which is retiresecure.com, if you want a link to buy that book. Jim, we talked about January 1st when the income limits are off, but there's an, an extra little bonus benefit for 2010 
which involves 2011 and 2012. And as a matter of fact, I had an email question today, so I want to go through this question, and you can explain how this is working. This comes from Steve who is listening tonight in Austin, Texas. And Steve said that he understands 2010 is a great time for Roth conversions. And then you can choose to either pay the conversion taxes in 2010, this is what Steve is saying, or spread the conversion income over 2011 and 2012. Since we have no clue what Congress is going to do with tax rates, how would you determine the best way to pay for a 2010 conversion? All right, well, first I would say that the ability to spread the income, first let's take a look at what the law is. And, and by the way, I just wrote an article for Bottom Line Magazine, and um, I had to, to clarify this point for the, for the editor. You actually don't have the option of paying the tax, if you will, for a 2010 conversion in 2011 and 2012. You have the ability to defer half the income. So let's do an example. You make a $100,000 Roth IRA conversion in 2010. If you want to, you can add that $100,000 to your existing income for, for 2010 and file the return presumably sometime around April 2011 and pay the taxes at that time. Or what you can do is you can make a special election to say, I'm going to add $50,000 of income in 2011 and $50,000 of income in 2012. So what you're really doing is you're not spreading the tax per se, you are spreading the income to those two additional years. Now, for most middle income taxpayers, I like the idea of spreading the income, and the reason is I like the idea, A, I like the idea of I'd rather pay taxes later rather than now, and two, by spreading the income, you might end up staying in a lower tax bracket. Um, or perhaps what you do is you make a small conversion in 2010, another one in 2011, and another one in 2012. And by the way, guys, that is a great hint on what's a great strategy, which is not necessarily making a huge conversion in one year, but doing multiple conversions over a number of years. Now, let's say you're a higher income taxpayer, and you fear tax increases in 2011 and beyond. And by the way, the Bush tax cuts are set to um, to um, expire in 2011. So existing tax law has the tax rates going up in 2011. In that case, and particularly if you're a high-income taxpayer, you are, you're probably better off recognizing all the income in 2010. We do have another question. This is from Ingram. We have John from Ingram. And, John, what's your question for Jim? Uh, hi, how are you tonight? Good, thanks. How are you? Okay. Uh, I just come in the house, and I, and I just turned you on, and I thought I'd give you a call. Um, I'm a retired uh, teacher, and I've been retired for uh, since the year 2000. And I had rollover money, and I had invested that in, uh, in a diversified fund, and so I don't plan on taking, taking anything out until I'm 70 and a half when I'm forced to. But uh, um, more importantly here, um, I received money through an inheritance uh, not long ago, and I was told to put it in a uh, Pennsylvania tax-free fund. And I was just wondering, you know, if it, what you thought of that. The, the amount of money was about forty or $50,000. All right. Well, well f first of all, there's, there's a couple things there. All right. First, one of the things that, that I like about your situation is, as a retired teacher, are you part of the SERS or PSRS yes. system? Yes. Okay. 
So you have a guaranteed income source for the rest of your life. Yeah. All right. You, that's a traditional pension. And the other good news about that is that that pension is guaranteed by the Pennsylvania Constitution. Right. And so that's about as solid as a pension as you're going to get. And that, combined with Social Security, depending on when you take it, that can be a, a wonderful base for you know that, that pension and your Social Security. You can kind of look at that money as money that is going to pay the bills, it's going to keep a roof over your head, it's going to keep gas in the car, and it's going to keep food on the table. All right, now, if there is some other money, some, let's say, inherited money, I call that after-tax dollars, um, yes, you could invest that money. One thing that you might consider is taking the money that you had saved as a teacher, and, and back then you had money in, in a 403B. You might have called it your annuity. The tax table was 403B. Let's say you have some, some IRA or 403B money. You might consider making a Roth IRA conversion of at least a small amount and using part of your inherited money to pay the taxes on the um, Roth IRA conversion. I thought you had to be working to, to do a Roth. You have to be working to make a Roth IRA contribution, but what I have in mind for you is a Roth IRA conversion where you're taking your existing IRA and your existing retirement plan, or at least a portion of it, you're paying taxes up front, and the money grows income tax-free for the rest of your life. And that's a very important point. In fact, for a lot of people, a lot of retirees, and I probably have as many retirees or even more than, than people who are actually working in my practice, those people don't have earned income, they can't make a Roth IRA contribution. They can't contribute to a Roth 401k or a traditional IRA, but they can make a Roth IRA conversion, and so can you. Uh, John, does that help you? Uh, I guess it does. Okay. Yes. I think we're, I, we're running up against the clock. We here, right? are. We are. <laughs> look, listen, he's even paying attention. We are just about out of time. Thank you so much for listening and for Thank calling you, in sir. tonight. You know, we really, Jim, we have just been able to scratch the surface tonight on this topic. What I strongly recommend is that if you're listening tonight, and we obviously have people with a lot of questions, is that you come to one of the workshops. We have one this Saturday. It's at the Holiday Inn Mossside Boulevard in Monroeville. Still some space, but we are close to capacity. 1-800-748-1571. That number answers 24 hours a day, so you can call it tonight. There's a session at 930 and then 1 to 3, 9.30 to 11.30 and 1 to 3. And then the next free workshop is going to be on November 21st. It's a Saturday. It's at the Four Points by Sheraton in Mars. So really, you get to see Jim in person, and you can get all of this information in person. 1-800-748-1571. You can also find more details at retiresecure.com. And when we come back on November 4th, it's going to be all about year-end tax planning. So please join us for that. It's the Lang Money Hour, where smart money talks. Thanks for listening to the Lang Money Hour, where smart money talks. Portions of the audio that you just heard will be posted online at retiresecure.com. You can also find a list of upcoming events and topics at retiresecure.com. To seek Jim's advice personally or to speak to a member of his dedicated staff at Lang Financial Group in Squirrel Hill, call 412-521-2732. Join us again in two weeks when we talk more smart money.